very first ABI Tech Bytes, brought to you by the Emerging Industries and Technology Committee. I'm Matt Faga, co-chair of that committee and attorney at Marcus Williams in Denver. I'm honored today to introduce our very first speaker, Kareem Gerges, the COO of ABI, the man behind the curtain with accolades and honors, uh, which if I were to walk you through each and every one of them, we would be here all day. Good morning, Kareem. How are you? Good morning, Matt. Thank you for that introduction, and thank you for not embarrassing me. Uh, well, we have a, a few more questions to get through, so <laughs> hold, hold your applause. Um, so you joined ABI in 2002. How did you first become involved with ABI, and, and, and why did you become involved 20 years ago? Uh, yeah, so I had a small company uh, that focused specifically on um, working for non-for-profits, um, kind of digitizing. I mean, they call it digital transformation now. I wish I coined that word uh, 20 years ago, but that's kind of what we were doing 20 years ago, not now, uh, by, you know, taking a non-for-profit into the 20th century at that time, I guess, or the 21st century. Um, bringing them up to speed, bringing technology into their mission and uh, helping them reach a wider audience and deliver on their mission. Uh, ABI happens to be uh, one of those clients. Uh, at the time, it was a very small office. There was about, I think, 10 people. Um, uh, I think I was the youngest uh, of those folks. Uh, and I was supposed to be there for about a year, a year and a few months uh, to deliver a new revamped, uh, overhauled website. Uh, it came with also realizing that there was no really uh, true database, there was no really IT inside the office. Um, so much like the insolvency professionals that ABI serves, you, you were there to really restructure or clean up some of the, the tech side of this organization. Yeah, I mean, sometimes restructuring is a too strong of a word for the restructuring <laughs> professionals. <laughs> it wasn't that it was failing, uh, it was just that it was missing in the mark. They didn't know really what, what opportunities they had. So, so you, had, you had told me about one of the first projects you worked on here, and I think it does tie really, and goes right to the nuts and bolts of the history of ABI as a nonpartisan academic group. Can you, why don't you tell me a little about that? I think uh, we're talking about the 25th anniversary project. Uh, so I've been at ABI for a couple of years at that point, uh, which is ironic because I wasn't supposed to, but uh, I remember talking when I finished the website, start digitizing a lot of the content, the journal that everybody's familiar with went online, the materials online, uh, registration, joining, renewing, all that happened online, which wasn't before. Mm -hmm. um, I went to my, the executive director, Sam, and I said, okay, I'm done, see you later. And, <laughs> and uh, he asked me a really a, a serious question. He's like, do you think you've done everything possible to make the organization better? And I said, no. And he's like, okay, then you're not done, stay. Uh, and at that point, it just opened a lot of uh, opportunity for me to kind of pick and choose what I want to do next. and. We've done a bunch of projects, but one that came really uh, to my heart was we're about to celebrate our 25th anniversary, and uh, I thought what we're going to do with that. And given my background in, in, in film and movies and, and things like that, I said we should do a two-part documentary focus on the organization and its growth over the years. So I started doing interviews at all our conferences with the founders, uh, people who've been there for the beginning, um, 
and really digging deep, asking questions about the organization, its history, its purpose, why it was there, what's their accomplishments, and why they're still involved. And I think I was pretty moved by the amount of love and care that uh, these folks have put this in the organization and also into the industry as a whole. Uh, I probably so we, caught the bug. Of, yeah, that was the spark. I would say so. I would say so. I was, I was, I was very proud of being part of an organization that meant more to its constituents um, than just a simple membership organization. It felt more like a community and they were very close, tight-knit friends. And so, yeah, I, I mean, we know you're passionate about your job and it's, it's contagious uh, amongst everyone you touch in ABI and the professionals that are members to this organization. I guess as an organization, you've brought things a long way on the technology side. So I, I'd like you to talk a little bit about where we are today from that initial point where you said to, to Sam, no, I'm not done yet. <laughs> uh, I think it, it was an evolution. So the, the beginning chapter uh, was about internal um, services, uh, make them better inside the office, make our workflow better, uh, and then some external uh, usability of people registering for conferences or accessing content or certain things like that within within reason. Uh, so we focused a lot on that in the beginning. Um, then when we did a lot of the, your words, not mine, restructuring internally, uh, we got to know a lot of our members uh, and spent a lot of time with them and hearing their needs and wants, which sparked the second era, which was w that we could be actually uh, outer-facing in terms of service by creating products that the members do need and want. At the time, we only had uh, the law review and the journal um, and the conferences to mm -hmm. one extent or another. There was nothing online, uh, so we introduced nuts and bolts. We introduced nuts and bolts online, then took us to online programming, um, which started actually in 2005. Mm -hmm. uh, with the change bill, we had our first online programming in 05 by doing these live webinars, believe it or not, back then in 2005. We've done actually about uh, nine webinars, uh, courses. We had over 2,000 attendees across those nine. It was, it was, it was like a banner year for us. Um, and it kind of showed that there is an appetite for you know digitization of our content. And, and it was the same at, at courts around the same time. In 2005, most courts went moved away officially from paper filings to electronic filings and the rise of CMECF, so Correct. attorneys we, were- We kind of knew that, right? Yeah. And, and uh, I, I, I don't mean to be critical, but change tends to be extremely hard in the legal world. They, you know, they don't necessarily adapt to change as much or as quickly as you'd like, uh, but that didn't really stop us from you know, adding some value. And that then allowed us to build much more robust products like law, uh, which is, uh, you know, code and rules and accessible through our website. Um, but that was all through discovery. You know, I would walk into someone's office and I ask them, what is this? And they're like, this is the code and rules. Why, why does it have all these notes in it? Oh, well, I take notes in them. And when I get the new book, I move all my notes over. And I was like, that's probably a good opportunity for us to, what if you put your notes in the cloud and the code changes every year, and but your notes stays with it? And that build code and rules. Uh, you know, we've done something on Volo, which is a circuit court update. Somebody was writing this 
on a regular basis and it was kind of fizzling out and it's not working. So we approached them and said, let's turn it into, instead of a journal article, into an online program where we can um, ask more people to be involved and set up a system and you know send it to them and assign them you know the cases. They were summarized, they, they write it back uh, within 24 hours of the case, link to the opinion directly so you don't have to go to PACER to find it. Uh, you know, we're running this now and it has over 3,000 cases. It's the largest library of uh, circuit court and BAP decisions uh, in well, the country. It's, yeah, it's a true service to attorneys. I mean, the law is the branch of government designed to be the slowest branch of government. So the law is moving slowly. Technology is, is the, on the polar opposite end. Correct. And, it, and you know, I always tell people that technology doesn't wait for anybody. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it, it's the... Uh, it's it's the train that doesn't stop because it has no stops. Yeah. Uh, so so we're we're out of the phases of walking through law libraries. Although some folks have a sentimental feeling when they go th walk through a law library and read something on paper in a book, we've come a long way on research databases as to what you can find out there and getting instantaneous results, cases all over the world, um, to where we are today, where there's this artificial intelligence everywhere. You hear about it, um, we know it's there, but tell me where we are today in terms of AI versus the old strolls down memory lane through, a, through the bookshelves. Uh, AI, it's the new buzzword. Uh, it's actually not new, but. Uh, <laughs> um, We've all seen the Terminator. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, as we were talking, I mean, AI existed for a really, really long time. We just weren't comfortable calling it that. Um, you know, LexisNexis, Thomson Reuters, uh, West, uh, Bloomberg, all of them had one way or another a form of AI running in their searches for, for, for years. Uh, and I think, again, it was, it was about a comfort level of explaining who's doing the search, why the search shows up the way they did. Uh, now it's kind of okay. It's a positive thing to spin and say, oh, we use AI to do certain things. People, confidence of it is a little bit higher than it used to be. Um, you know, growing up, it, you always heard it, it must be a computer problem, right? It's a technical problem. Uh, so we weren't really trusting of that. Now we trust the computer a little bit more. Uh, we believe a little more that technology has a little bit more power than us sometimes. Um, so we're okay calling it AI. But at the end of the day, there are algorithms that are getting more and more sophisticated, um, that becoming more and more um, I, w I wouldn't call it intelligence yet, uh, but um, it has enough um, history uh, and pattern recognition to understand uh, context. So we're talking a little bit more. My 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 general understanding. So you can pull several briefs and compare, and and now these computer programs can tell you how good your brief is. Is this accurate? Are you making a good argument? What are your odds of winning? It's a long way from reading a case in a book. Correct. So uh, again, I'm not lawyer, and, and I, don't, mm -hmm. I don't play one on television, uh, nor do I want to. Uh, <laughs> but uh, my understanding uh, of you know, the simple process of you know, preparing or prepping for a case is that there's a lot of research that takes place for uh, identifying similarities of your case to create uh, and formulate an argument uh, that you can stand 
you know, on in court. So you're trying to find what your original argument will be and how many cases use that argument throughout, and you're using uh, case law to help you find that, identify that. Um, so you so use the professional to do so, and now yeah. today um, the machine understands that same concept. So what, it, what the machine is capable of doing is obviously searching um, millions of data points all at once, understanding the context of what you need, the result, and they're working backwards. They're they, they also identifying not just when would this argument was made, but they also can see the result, the outcome, which is something that um, is an additional point that we probably have to take in, in consideration, mm -hmm. where now the AI is also taking that on the, on, on the first search. Um, where this point was made, how often was it made, when it was made, which cases was it made with, and what was the outcome of those cases, and in which jurisdiction, under what circumstances, and how much similarity is it to yours. So it's really building the strategy uh, that you would take into that, and it sometimes building your opponent, you know, strategy as well. So yeah. giving you that idea of like if you, um, if you, it's almost like playing chess with yourself because you know what the next move is going to be. Um, well, so how, how have you implemented that technology between ABI as an organization and the human beings uh, that are that make up the insolvency professionals that are members? Well, we, we apply a lot of AI in a lot of different things. Um, for example, uh, some of our AI is related to predictive analytics of our members' engagement. Um, we have a, a robust membership, and we may sometimes fail to engage all of them mm -hmm. uh, and provide the service that they need uh, always. So AI sometimes help us hone that into, instead of serving all the things to all the people, but to serve some things to some people because that's the things they really care about and need. So we're working a little bit more on the personalization of uh, our resources. Instead of telling you here is 50 resources that we have, we tell you about the three that we think you would want. And that's usually based on analyzing behavior um, and creating similarities, right, and personas that we can follow. People who do these type of things also do these type of things. This existed for a really, really long time. And I don't mean just those who bought this book also bought that book type sure. of thing that existed for a long time for on the website. Yeah. But uh, for us, it's a little bit deeper than that. It, we're, we're going into a place where the stories that we send out every morning, everybody loves the headlines. Um, we're in a place today and we're experimenting with certain things where the headline email that goes out to you, Matt, will vary different than the headline that will go to someone else. And not because ge geographically there's different, it's because your interests are different. So instead of I have a staff that writing 27 stories, they write, you know, they create the shell yeah. and the AI is cur curating and collating those stories and aggregating the right stories and serving those stories to the people who need it. Yeah, and some, some would say it's creepy. Some would may call it targeted marketing. For me, that's a convenience. I think I'm more of an optimist and how this is sort of rolled out and, and it's implemented. Um, is, is, are there, is, other than artificial intelligence, are there any other cool technology theories or products that you'd want to make our members aware of? 
look, we're, we're always innovating. We're always creating new things. Um, it's, it's a striver of us to challenge ourselves every year and make it harder. <laughs> uh, but I think uh, one of the things that I um, spent a lot of time on and a lot of time thinking internally is the fact that as an organization, we, we, we have longevity. We're going we're gonna to hopefully be around for many, many, many years to come. Uh, but part of that story is the evolution of the organization as it evolves uh, to serve its existing constituents and members. And I keep thinking that um, my members are, my members from, let's say, 10 years from now are the 20-year-olds today. And the question today is, how do I communicate with those 20-year-olds today? Because I'm not thinking about how do I communicate with them. I'm most certainly not uh, <laughs> figuring out a way to talk to them on TikTok or anything like that. But they're going to be my professionals of tomorrow. They're going to be my members who are in their mid-30s and such. Uh, and the question is, do I have the tools uh, and the methods to engage them and communicate with them? Because if you go ask uh, a 15-year-old or a 20-year-old join our listserv, they'll wonder what you're talking about. What is that? They're not ready uh, yet. <laughs> they're, they're not, not ready, ready for yet. a listserv, and they probably will never be ready for a listserv. Yeah. And they'll laugh at you when you tell them what a listserv is. Yeah. So the question is, how are, how are we going to communicate with them in the future? I'm not going to ask them to adapt to my existing methodologies and, and ways of distributing information. We're going to have to kind of evolve as an organization and transform and digitize to, to meet them. Um, so are there talks about being educating people and doing conferences in the metaverse? Absolutely. Have we experimented with it? Yes, we have. So um, is it something like that I would launch today for members? Probably not. Uh, but it's something that we will consider because at one way or another that might happen or we might be in a metaverse you know, and in a virtual world. and. ABI should exist in that just as much as it exists today in the real world. So, so yeah, to, to put a different sort of spin on it, if this was the Willy Wonka factory tour, if I was in the back room looking under the sheet, we're talking a virtual conference where you're at home in your living room with glasses on, but you're still engaged in the room, virtual room or space or the metaverse yeah, with your colleagues. Correct. And, I mean, to say virtual conference, especially after the two years that we just yeah. have, is kind of... <laughs> Underhanded. We we had a great uh, you know uh, virtual transformation for yeah. the organization. Like I said in my earlier story, we started in 2005 uh, with our first webinars, uh, and uh, we never stopped. So we've invested. We built our own platforms for our conferences. COVID even um, enforced the importance of it. Today, we have one of the largest consumer bankruptcy conference in the country. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going on our second year for CPEX uh, with you know 800 strong attendees from all around the country. Um, and that's all happening virtual, all online, because it's a lot more convenient to the member of the consumer bar um, to you know not to leave their jobs and not to leave their practice um, and travel anywhere for to avoid those costs and and to really run their practice on a daily basis they can't afford uh, you know to be gone for three four days at a conference to gain CLE uh, this way and this format allows them to have access to it at their own convenience and a very very fraction of a cost of a regular conference and travel so that's why we've seen success this is the second year and I think now it's a staple 
product that we will continue to do on forever. Yeah, it's, it's indisputable the impact you have had on this organization. And there's no doubt in my mind of the continuing impact you will have. But I, and I'm not going to ask you to prognosticate on where we'll be in 10 years because technology does move that quickly. A lot faster, yes. Yes. Um, not sure where we're going to be next month. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, and that, that part of that is, um, as we've been really blessed at the office, at ABI, for, for great leadership, to be honest. Uh, whether it's with Sam or Amy or my colleagues at the office in general, whether they're my own staff or uh, my colleagues that I worked with for the last 20 years, we are not afraid of change. Uh, we like change. We, we like to challenge ourselves and say, uh, we're not the type of people who says, if it's not broken, don't fix it. We're, we're always breaking it and fixing it or trying to improve on it. <laughs> I, it drives some of them crazy a little bit, but it's, it's, it's what keeps it uh, interesting and, yeah. and keeps it going forward. So um, something may come up in the next you know, two, three months, and we would be like, hey, this would be cool. Let's experiment with that. And by experimenting with it, um, we realized that there's a chance for us that we can use it that would be a resource or a benefit to our members, and that's how we explode. I, as a giant in the tech field, in my humble opinion, I don't think Kareem, I, I don't think I am, but any any, <laughs> it's easy to say that among uh, bankruptcy lawyers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I can understand and appreciate that as well. I uh, I'm glad, and I wanted you to be the first interviewee for for ABI Tech Bytes. Well, and, it's, it's my pleasure. And uh, uh, any final comments? Where, where, from a technology perspective and an ABI organizational perspective, it appears to me that the future is bright. Yes, actually, um, there's a few things that we're working on. Um, we are, as leading organization in the bankruptcy section uh, or business um, we have to look beyond what we do today I think bankruptcy in general is evolving I think the the the, the work itself is evolving um, and the organization has to push that forward and I, I really do believe that uh, it's been stale for a really 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 long time it's been the same um, so I, I don't like to use that word anymore but it is ripe for disruption. Uh, I, I think part of the technology transformation and AI, it brings efficiencies. And I think uh, a manual, heavily dock uh, work is, uh, describes a lot of the work that, that is done in bankruptcy. A lot of it is uh, kind of repetitive. Um, so that's really where AI comes into allow efficiencies and bring augmentation really well and, and, and provide value there. So I think it, it would be an uh, interesting place for technology to take place. Uh, I do believe there's a lot of innovation that's taking place already. There's a lot of people who are challenging how things have been done and found better ways to do it. Um, and I think ABI has a really important role in shaping uh, kind of the next wave of these technologies that, as it moves forward, because that's really the, the, the next essential resource, if you would, for those professionals. Uh, so we should highlight them, we should uh, empower them, we should support them, um, and we should guide them to be the right technology for the right purpose. 
uh, so it's not misleading or misguided because at the end of the day, um, the whole goal of this is, you know, true access to justice. And mm -hmm. uh, you won't get there, um, I think, the manual way anymore. I'm, I'm glad you brought it back to the mission. Uh, thank you so much for your time. No, absolutely. Thank you very much, Matt. I appreciate it.